All right. Well, hey, let's dive in. The hero's journey is kind of where we've been last Sunday. If you missed it, please check it out online. And uh, this week is uh, part two of that series. And we're going to start reading in Judges chapter six. Judges is in the Old Testament. What we talked about is that we see Jesus all throughout. So we know that the New Testament is something new that Jesus brought onto the world. But that doesn't discount the beautiful story of God. Everyone say story of God. That, he, that, that God has been working um, and the cross is overlaid through all that we see in, in the Old and the New Testament. And so Judges is a really cool story of a guy named Gideon. It's one of the main stories of the book of Judges. In addition to, you're probably familiar with Samson. He's another guy that's in the book of Judges. So we're going to look at Gideon. Last week, sort of the, the synopsis is that the angel of the Lord, and what we learned about this specific angel of the Lord, is that it was the Old Testament name for Jesus. He shows up and he declares some things over Gideon. He's this mighty hero. Well, Gideon's hiding. Gideon's in the bottom of a wine press um, where he's literally hiding from the Midianites and, and the, the angel shows up to him and says, mighty hero, go in the strength that you have that I've already given you. I'm with you. I'm asking you to do some powerful things. And so we see Gideon respond to the next number of verses and he kind of gives uh, throws out a fleece to the Lord. If you've ever heard that word fleece, this is where it came from. It's like a testing the Lord, right? So he literally throws out a fleece saying, God, if you'll do this, then, I'll, then I know it's you. And God met him every step of the way. And then God shows up to him. This is all in the same conversation. And this is where we pick up because there's another thing that God needs Gideon to do before he's, he's really stepping into that place of being a hero. Because the point of this series is that God has more for you. God has way more for you. And some of us have been in church and we've done some cool stuff and we've been used a little bit and some of us have just like never, don't even understand what that concept is. But wherever you are in the spectrum, I'm here to tell you that Jesus paved the way. He changed the narrative on the cross so that you can step into something that you don't deserve, that you didn't earn, but that God has for you. And, and, and part of that is understanding the new narrative that God changes in your life. And that was last week. And so in this week, it's, it's, it's a twist. And, uh, and it's God inviting us to set some things in order. And that's the title of our message today is setting things in order. And so I want to pick up in Judges chapter 6, verse 25, and it says, this up on the screen. Now it came to pass that the same night that the Lord said to him, take your father's young bull, the second bull of the seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the wooden image that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on the top of this rock in the proper arrangement and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down, setting things in order, setting things in order. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to set some things in order. God, I thank you for today. I thank you for what you want to speak to your people. I thank you for the fact that you're here, God, and that you're moving. You're not done with us, that you have some incredible things that we would step into and believe about our lives. And so God, I ask that you would speak today that your word would become alive, living. It wouldn't be something 
that historians wrote or just words on a page, and it wouldn't even be a really cool story, but God, somehow through the pages of your word that it would come alive to us personally and intimately. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I am convinced that sometimes God has things happen to me because he knows that I have to preach every Sunday and I need good material. Because listen, every Monday morning I have two thoughts and they're the same two thoughts every single Monday morning. One thought is, oh my gosh, that was amazing. Like Sunday was so good. I mean, just the place was packed and there was new people and I had these moments. And then immediately the next thought follows. Oh my gosh, Sunday's coming. (laughs) And I've got nothing. Lord, speak to me. And so inevitably, he does. He speaks to me every week. And uh, he does through, sometimes through some abstract things. And this week, um, we had a huge project. And the project was get the garage ready because our son, uh, turning 15, he had a birthday party and all his friends over. And as kind of his birthday present, I wanted to remodel the garage into like a game room. So we had some couches and threw a TV on the wall and actually took some of the pallet wall from the last place and kind of built a pallet wall in our garage and created this really cool space. But in order to do that, I had to get rid of a lot of stuff. I had to take a couple runs to the dump. I had to organize shelving and all this stuff in my garage. And then I had a bunch of other stuff that I had nowhere for it to go because it can't feel like a garage. If it feels like a garage, the kids aren't going to want to be in it. So did all of that, and I had this big pile of stuff in the, in the driveway, and so we ordered a shed. And this shed is four feet deep and eight feet wide, and we ordered it on Amazon. Heather did, and it looks beautiful, and it's amazing, and it came in a box, and it got delivered. And so it's sitting there super heavy, and so I invited Alex over. I bribed him to come over. Bless his heart, he came over and helped me. And so, because he's a construction guy and he has tools and all that stuff, and I'm not. So we bring this thing out the back, we unfold it, and immediately, as soon as we take a look, we're like, this is going to be really painful. This is, this is, this is not a, uh, a simple deal here. So we started getting it out, and we realized that the first thing is to lay the foundation. So we laid these brackets and you know again there's like a thousand literally a thousand screws and there's holes that they already have you drill in you make it all happen so we had this foundation that we laid and we realized that the holes didn't line up of course the holes didn't line up I think we got it from Ikea I don't know but it felt like it was Ikea so get right and so so Alex is like well the holes don't line up so we're going to drill holes I'm like all right well then drill them he's like well but it's got to be square I'm like what are you even talking about It's like, you know, like the foundation, it's got to be square. Otherwise, it's not going to, I'm like, well, just, let's just do our best, right? He's like, do you have like one of those angle? I'm like, I'm a simple pastor. So, so anyway, we're eyeballing it. Like I like get up on the ledge and I'm like looking and he, he's, he's like, dude, this is your shed. You let me know. And I'm like, I think it looks fine. You know, it's like relatively square, whatever that means. So he's like, fine. Boom, boom, boom. Right. D- drills the holes. So then we just start throwing this thing up. It was like three hours. I mean, I felt so bad. He did not sign up for this. Anyways, it's windy. It's cold. We're bundling up. It's about to rain. We're trying to get this thing up. And uh, so finally the walls are up and we get to the roof. So I'm like, let's just throw the things on there, right? Well, we throw one on and it's like slightly crooked. The next one on, it's really crooked. 
right? The walls were had to like bent the, like bend, literally bend the stuff to even get it to work. So finally, we get the last shingle on the top. And I mean, the roof is very wonky, absolutely not waterproof. And I'm like, you know what? It's fine. It looked, relatively speaking, it looks fine. Now, does it hold the water out? No, it doesn't. Don't put technology in the shed because it, it, it leaks bad because it rained right after that and it was flooded. Anyway, so then, so then I'm like, oh, don't worry about it. I'll hang the door. You know, so I'm like, dude, you've done enough. So it was pretty much dark. So he left and the next day I kind of give a little attempt and it's like the door doesn't hang correctly, you know, because the whole frame is off. So I literally have a picture of this shed and it looks fine on the outside. doesn't have a door because I'm going to need help with that because it doesn't hang correctly because the frame's off. And as you can see at the top, the, you can't really see it. That's the point. It looks great, but uh, the shingles on the top are not aligned and it, it was soaking wet underneath it afterwards. So I say this because I believe that God, he... He, oh, so by the way, so Alex at the end goes, dude, I don't know if I can put my name on this. <laughs> and I go, brother, I totally do not blame you for that. This is on me. But I just thought like, what a great picture of our lives. That like we come to God and we are all kind of outer line, right? Like on the foundation of our life, our beliefs are like are just all out of whack. And he comes and goes, dude, I love your shed. Like, it's just so good. Aren't you glad that Jesus wants to put his name on your shed? He's like, I don't care how wonky it is. It, it leaks, the door doesn't hang, but I love it. And, and, and he comes to Gideon and he goes, dude, like, I, I, love, I love your shed. But we're gonna need to set some things in order. I mean, unless you want a shed that leaks, the door doesn't hang, right? Then we're going to need to set some things in order. And so God comes to Gideon and he says, he says, we, 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 need, to, we need to uproot some things and we need to shift some things because, because I came that you might have life. And in a broken down shed where you can't hang a door on it is not life. And some of us grew up in a world where like, that's fine. And that's, that's basically what I, I, I should expect because, because my, my past life and all the things that I did, like I just, I don't deserve a, a properly built shed. And God says, no, no, I already blew all that up and I'm ready to come and give you life. And so you can leave that picture up because I want to read this scripture uh, actually, you got to put the scripture up. Sorry. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 says this. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock or his shed. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it didn't fall, for it was founded on the rock. And so, getting back to the story of Gideon, God comes to Gideon and he says, um, I'm going to need you to take care of the idols that are in the backyard. Now, you have to understand about Israel. Israel had kind of fallen into um, a, a phrase called syncretism. Syncretism is basically the belief that there can be many gods. See, Israel at this time, including Gideon, 
they believed in the God of the Bible. They believed in Yahweh. And, and they worshiped Yahweh. But they also accepted the fact that there's other gods. I mean, isn't that so politically correct? It's like, do we really have to discriminate? I mean, can't there just be the God of the Bible and then like a bunch of other gods? And if people want to worship other gods, like, okay, there can be multiple ways to God and multiple ways to heaven. And we can just all live like a happy family. That's not amazing. Unfortunately, what that produces is a really, really out of line shed where the door doesn't hang and it leaks. Because God is a jealous God. The Bible says that God is jealous. He says, I am a jealous God. And he's relating to idols. This is one of the Ten Commandments. Don't worship other gods because I'm a jealous God. And I always used to think that that meant that like God was up in heaven and he was just like kind of throwing a fit when he has to share us. It's like, I thought I was going to be the only God that you worship. Ah. I don't want to share. Anybody have any little kids? Like, I don't want to share. It's mine. I'm so glad I'm not in that stage anymore. But love little kids. Oh, it's mine. I don't want to share. But, but God's, God's not, not jealous in that way because God is on the throne whether you put him there or not. God doesn't need you to make him big in your life for him to be big. He's already big. He's massive. He is the God of the universe holding everything in the palm of his hand. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He already finished the story. It's not a debate. He's not like, man, I hope I can get enough little, you know, people down there to celebrate me, right? Because then maybe it'll work out for me like he has got it under control. So he's not jealous in that way. See, God is jealous for your heart because he's jealous for your future. Much more even jealous than you are. He wants you to win so bad. He wants you to be aligned and he wants you to be abundantly, walk in abundance so bad that he gets so frustrated when there's these big obstacles that cause you to be so out of line. And I wrote this, it's probably a better way of saying it, that Jesus is a jealous shepherd. Because he knows where the peaceful streams are and he knows how to restore your soul. He just knows. I uh, um, shout out to our uh, Israel crew. We just went to Israel. It was absolutely phenomenal. Come on. Uh, we'll never be the same. And we had this, we had this tour guide. And, and, and it was one of the things that I celebrated even before we went because I had had this tour guide before. His name was Ronnie. Go ahead and put the picture up there. Um, Ronnie is... Such an incredible guy. In fact, um, Adam has a man crush on Ronnie. I know that. But, um, but the thing about Ronnie, huge. Yeah, he kept saying huge. Um, but Ronnie, he, he always knew where to go, when to take us somewhere. He met us at the, at the airport, literally like got us onto the bus. 
And then at the end of the trip, he was at the airport, took us all the way in, cut lines for us because he knows people. I mean, we followed him. But in the middle of the trip, we were kind of like, man, Ronnie, you're kind of uptight. I mean, like he's just always looking at his watch and he's like, come on, everybody. And we kind of wanted to just kind of go, you know, just lay off, lay off a little bit. We, a couple of us were even talking about taking a few days off and not following Ronnie, you know, like, like we know best, right? We're going to somehow make our way around Israel better than Ronnie, right? Right? And so... We're just kind of like, and then we realized the very first day when Ronnie was pushing us, like, all right, we got to be gone here, and then we got to be here. And we were like, Ronnie, why are you in such a hurry? And he says, oh, because Caesarea, the place that you want to go, like the, mo- the, the biggest place that you want to go, it's right on the water, Mediterranean Sea, Herod's palace was there. There's this like incredible Roman uh, Colosseum. It was like a huge highlight for us. And he goes, it closes at four. If we don't leave it this time, we won't make it. And if we don't make it, you can't make it the whole trip. And we're like, um, we're going to follow. I'm going to do everything you say. <laughs> so then we go downtown uh, Jerusalem. And we're like, Ronnie, we just want to eat wherever we want. We want to shop wherever we want. Because he was like, you need to shop at this place. And you need to eat at these places and don't eat there. And we're like, Ronnie, why are you so uptight? And he goes, well, if you eat at these places, you'll get sick. And if you use your credit card over there, they'll steal your identity. And so we're like, okay, Ronnie, we have learned our lesson. You know better. You are a much better shepherd than I am, so I'm not going to lead this group anymore. I'm going to defer to you. See, Jesus is a wonderful shepherd, and he is so jealous for our tour of life to end up where he has designed. And how many know, so many times we fight back, and we're like, God, you're so like, man, just back off a little bit. Let me do my thing. And he goes, I... I'm jealous for you. Jealous for you. John 10, chapter 11, John chapter 10, verse 11 says this. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Can I tell you that... um, the God of this world has a strategy, and I put it up there. To get you out of alignment in as many areas as he can so the blessing, power, and provision of heaven doesn't flow in your life. Wake-up call. When you're building a shed, the foundation doesn't have to be off that much. Just a little. And it looks fine on the outside. How many of us sometimes our lives can be like, we're good. No one would know. And on the inside, things are not right. We're struggling. We're not walking in the abundance that he has. And can I tell you, we can't get there overnight. But what I know is that Jesus wants to be your shepherd. He wants to be my shepherd. And that's the invitation today. And that's the invitation to Gideon is that, hey, yes, you're a mighty hero. And yes, you have strength. And yes, I have a calling for you. But can we just pause for a minute and realize that for you to step from here, knowing all of that, to over here and walking in it requires one simple yet profound thing. I got to be your shepherd. Which means you stop taking your cues from you and your buddies who know less than you do and your social media crew and the people at work and whoever else 
and you start taking your cues from me, your shepherd, because I really want to lead you in life today. And so um, we see that with, uh, with Gideon. And uh, my first idea is this, quit making excuses for your father's bull. I love this point. I just want to pause and just let us take it in. And it's such a great point. It says this, Then the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull, the second of the seven-year-old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has. I love this picture. Gideon, um, you have an amazing destiny on your life. So um, I'm going to need you to stop making excuses why there's a, an altar an idol to bail in your backyard. Like, what, what are we doing? Well, here's the thing, God. It's my dad's. And I've talked to him about it. I mean, how many times did Gideon go to his dad? Like, dad, really? We don't worship Baal. Why do you have a... Because later on in the text, his dad totally doesn't fight for the fact that he, Gideon tears it down. You know, his dad's like, let Baal fight for itself. Like, you knocked Baal down, and then you're going to fight for Baal. If Baal's a god, let him argue for himself. And so his dad really wasn't into it. He's just kind of like, meh, why not? Why not have multiple gods? And so Gideon, I'm sure, was like, Dad, can we just... But it never happened. So here we are. And I think it's a great parallel for us. This is the example of us just being passive. Us just letting the little stuff into our lives. And sometimes it's other people. Sometimes it's stuff that was passed down literally from our father. But it's the little things in our life that we just tolerate. I'm not talking about like gross sins in your life. I mean, obviously don't tolerate those. But I'm talking about mindsets. I'm talking about areas in your life that you know God's been talking to you about that. Like, why do you put up with that? Why do you live less than what God has for you? Like, why do you settle down here when I, you know I've called you to be, to live up here. So why do you, why do you settle for that? Why do you let them treat you like that? Why do you nurse and rehearse the negative comments that people have said to you and you internalize and you believe them? Like, why have you settled for that? Well, I, I don't know. I talked to my dad about it and nothing happened. So I guess this is just sort of like, and, and he's like, dude, don't make excuses anymore for stuff that's clearly in your control. Take care of it. Go into the backyard, tear it down, build something new in its place. Quit tolerating it. Quit tolerating things that you know God's like, I've given you all the power. I've changed your identity. I've changed your narrative. You're a new person. I have a new path for you. So why are you going back and nursing and rehearsing all this stuff? Why are you still, why, why do you still have all these like unforgiveness things? Like, listen, I get it. It doesn't happen overnight. But why are you just letting that stuff marinate? Like, are, are you ever in the shower? And this happens to me in the shower. That's why I said the shower. You ever in the shower and you're just like nursing and rehearsing a conversation that you know you'll never have with somebody, but in the shower, it's amazing. 
It's like a boom, boom, bam, right? You always have the right language for it, right? This is like perfect. And then you get out of the shower and you, you, know, you put your clothes on and you get ready for work and you're like, I'm totally not going to have that conversation. But it was so good. And God's like, why, why are you dragging that stuff around? Like that's that. That only affects you. That person totally, they're totally free. They're, they haven't given it a second thought. And, 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 and this thing's drugging you through the mud for how many months? For how many years? Like, why, why are you making excuses for this garbage when God has set you free? And so it's time to set some things in order. And, and God comes to you and says, go in the strength that you have. You don't have to give the power anymore to those people in that situation. Listen, you can walk into a situation I tell this to my kids all the time when they come home and complain about their friends at school. Not you, because you all are amazing. <laughs> and, 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 I say, and I say, listen, kids, listen, Haley, listen, Caleb, like you're powerful enough to go to school and not let brat kids ruin your day. You don't have to be mean to them. You don't have to blow them off. You can treat them with kindness and go, no, you don't get power over my day. I have an awesome day. I got so many things to be thankful for. So quit making excuses. Quit living down to your circumstances, down to your past, down to your generational stuff. Like draw a line and go, no, we're, we're pulling that stuff down. It doesn't get to live in the backyard anymore. Next thing is this, it's time to build an altar. It's time to build an altar. Build an altar to the Lord at the top of the rock in the proper arrangement. Proper arrangement. In the proper arrangement. And take the second bull of the offering. I love this. <laughs> take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. Take the wood of the image that you tore down and use it to build the altar. I love that. Notice God says build an altar with the proper alignment and build it on top of the wood. But you can't just tear it down. you got to replace it. So I want to talk about three things really quick. Three things that, um, that are really big for us in, in this area of where do we build an altar? Where do I build an altar? First place is this. Any area God is second. Can I just be your pastor for a minute? Jesus is a jealous shepherd. He loves your shed. Kinks and all. He has accepted your shed just the way it is. He has put his name on it. He loves it. And then he invites you to take a journey to not be broken anymore. And I think that sometimes for us, we... We go, God, I thank you so much for accepting me and for putting your name on my shed and just showering me with like, oh, I, I'm just, I'm loved and I'm cared for and I'm accepted. But then we're like unwilling to follow the tour guide. And then we're like, my shed's still broken. What's the deal, God? It didn't work. 
Christianity didn't work. The church used me. And God's like, I, I really want to be your shepherd. I want to lead you and guide you into this incredible life. And the first step is to say, I'm first. I'm first. And so we build an altar there. So can I tell you what that looks like for me? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so I take an opportunity to build an altar in my home, Heather and I. We, we serve the Lord. So, so he's first. So he's first in the area of like what we do on Sunday. Now I'm preaching the choir because you all come every week. But listen, if our kids got into sports and they had a game every Sunday night, guess who's not playing on that sports team? Our kids. Because we go to church on Sunday. Now I, I get it. Like in this day and age, that sounds crazy. But I don't know. I'm just putting God first in my life. Now listen, I'm not making a case that you have to be at church every single Sunday. Like that's not what it means to put God first. It just means that you've made it a priority. That this is a big rock in my jar, right? It's like, no, I really, this is something that goes in first. And then, you know, the analogy, you got the rocks and then the sand that fills the jar. If you put the sand in of all the little stuff, guess, guess what rock's not making it in? And so we just say, listen, this is something that matters to us because putting God first and teaching our kids and modeling this stuff for our kids is a game changer in life. Can I tell you another place that we build an altar as it relates to putting God first? Giving. Ooh. Can I just talk about giving for a minute? Listen, we don't pass the plate here. I have no idea who gives what. I love that. I don't talk about it very much. Like my church council gets on to me because we hardly ever think it's like a secret how to give here, right? Because my heart is that you, no one would ever feel like we want something from you or that God wants something from you. It's not it. God's blessed this church. God's a jealous shepherd and he knows what it's like to have money be your God or your master. Jesus says this, you can't, you can't have two masters. The God of mammon, which is a real God, by the way, it's a spirit that's driven by money or the God of the Bible that says, no, actually, um, God's my provider. And so I believe that I have more in my bank account when I give to the house of the Lord. So we build an altar when it comes to tithing. Can I just tell you that tithe, though tithing means 10%, can I tell you what matters more to God than the percentage? The priority. Listen, start at 2%. I don't care what it is, but the point is, write it down. Build an altar. Sit down with your spouse and your family and go, you know what? This is what we're going to do. And then every month when you do your finances, it can't be last because that's called leftovers. Let's just see, let's see how much we have left. God, if you really want us to give, then we'll have lots left over because I really want to give you the leftovers. God says, I love you, but I don't accept leftovers because I have to be first. Because I am first. And so what we do is we say, tithe first top of the list. It's the first thing that goes. It's the first thing that goes. Why? Because we build an altar there. We build an altar that God, you are first 
in our life and slowly that shed starts to come into alignment. And I know that it's hard and I know that it takes some tweaking, but when that shed is aligned, when you're the light, when the, 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 the um, aspects of your life come aligned, it is a beautiful thing. Second thing is this, anything that gives an open door to the enemy, anything that gives an open door to the enemy. Can I, can I tell you what uh, a, a, an easy open door to the enemy is? This right here. Listen, if you haven't given your kids the talk when you gave this to them, go home today and give them the talk about how this is an open door to the enemy if you allow it to be. This is a portal into all things that you wouldn't even believe that can come through this thing. And so we steward it. We're not going to give an open door to the enemy. No. We're going to guard what comes in these eyes and what comes in these ears and how we function in life because, because I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit and I'm not going to give a place for the enemy because I'm going to build an altar in a place where my life is aligned. I'm not going to give a doorway to the enemy. You know, the other place that gives a doorway to the enemy is unforgiveness. And we talked about this. Oh my gosh, unforgiveness is, a, uh, is the fertile soil for the enemy to just keep lying to you and keep you stuck. And so we build an altar there to say, I'm not going to give any room for the enemy. And the last one is any area we have made accommodations for self. Can I tell you that power is in resurrection? If Jesus didn't, listen, we went to the empty tomb. I told you this. He's not there. And if he were there, then this whole thing would be for naught because it's not about the cross. It's about the empty tomb. The power is in resurrection, right? And so we go to the cross and we are crucified with Christ and we raise to him to newness of life, which means that any area of our life where we have given into, you know what? This is what I deserve. That's what the world preaches. This is what I deserve. I'm gonna get mine. People better treat me this way. Listen, Christians should be the hardest people in the world to get offended. You can't offend me. Why? Because I'm on the cross. That's why my life is buried with Christ. And so you can't offend me. Listen, I get to love unconditionally and my feelings come second because this is where the power is. This is where the power is in Christ is that we walk unoffended. And so... We start at home. I love the fact that God went to Gideon and said, you start at home. So we start at home. What does it look like at home? Well, it looks like right here, marriage with our kids. We, we lay down self and we say, no, I'm here to serve. I'm here to give my life away. I'm here to, to be second. I'm here to make him, give him glory and be second. This is an area where we build an altar and say, you know what? My life is not my own. How many of you know that marriage is the best tool to crucify the flesh? It's the best tool. How many of you know two really selfish people that got married and it worked out really well? Anybody know those people? I'd love to meet them. Or one really selfless person and one really selfish person, well, that doesn't really work either. It comes and says, no, I, I want to I lay my life down. 
like, Shane, this is like not a warm and fuzzy sermon. What's the deal? What happened to Jesus loves me and it's fine? It's fine. <clears throat> God, wants, God wants to lead us into his abundance. And I think sometimes we justify the places in our lives where we're just like, no, that's mine. This is mine and I get to, I get to behave like this and be like this because it just feels good. And God in his glorious goodness as, a, as, as, as our shepherd is coming and saying, give it to me. Lay it down, lay it down, lay it down. You don't have to defend yourself. Can I just speak that to you? You don't have to defend yourself because going low, serving others, not protecting us and getting ours feels like, feels weak. It's like, what if somebody takes advantage of me? Can I tell you, God is your defender? God's your defender? So start at home. Man, I came to serve. I came to be a blessing. I've come, right, and listen, I'm preaching to the choir. I'm being convicted even as I'm saying this. My wife's in the front row. I am not the perfect husband. Listen, we are all in this together. But I'm telling you what it's like to be aligned, what it's like to build on the rock where when the stuff comes of life, you're unshakable. And this is one of those that you build an altar and say, no, my life is not about me. My life is about the kingdom of heaven. My life, my life is about his glory and his goodness and others. And when we fall in line with that, I'm telling you, there is a power and there is a presence and there is a purpose that comes and there is a satisfaction. That's what life is about. That's what life's about. It's not about more money. It's not about more stuff. It's not about more influence. I promise you, when you get all those things, you'll still go, man, why does it not feel like I don't have enough? It's because there's too much of you. There's too much of you. My pastor used to say the only thing that's dead on our campus, because he was a really big floor, um, uh, campus guy, like he, all of our grass and our flowers and everything was immaculate, like immaculate. The campus was immaculate. Because he thought if people drive in and they see the, the landscape and it's immaculate, they'll go, wow, if they take that, that, care, that much care of the landscape, how much will they care about people? And that was kind of his mindset. So it's immaculate. And he used to drive around, this was when I was an intern, and he goes, the only thing dead on this parking lot is the flesh. The plants, the grass, it all needs to be alive. It all needs to be rocking. The only thing dead is your flesh. We die daily. All right, come back next week and we'll have a crucifixion. Okay. <laughs> this is going really good, Shane. Last point. Last point, uh, align, alignment produces authority. Alignment produces authority. Then the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power and he blew a ram's horn as a call to arms. I love this. This is the hero's journey. This is the hero's journey. I believe with all my heart that we're called to walk in authority, that you're walk, called to walk with authority on your life, not timid, insecure, scared, fearful. And listen, some of you, and I mean this, some of you, you don't walk in the authority of God on your life. Because there's some things that are not aligned in your heart. And I promise you, I promise you, it matters. Guys, men, let me just talk to men. What you look at, what you watch, directly affects your authority. Directly affects your authority. 
And God's saying, listen, I've called you to be a mighty hero. To step up and lead and follow me and pursue a purpose that, you, that, would, be, that would be beyond your wildest dreams. And it's not something that you earn. So I need you to walk in authority. I need you to walk in confidence. I need you to walk in boldness. And so we're not gonna put up with garbage from the past. We're not gonna put up with our father's bull. We're gonna build an altar in a place where we say, God, you're first. We're not giving the enemy room in our lives. We're gonna bring things into alignment and I'm gonna lay myself down. And I'm telling you, these things produce such authority and boldness in your life. And I wanna end with just this simple, this simple uh, chapter, this verse, Psalm 23, that you know very well. Psalm 23, David in the Old Testament makes a declaration. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Who's his shepherd? Well, he isn't his shepherd. Culture's not his shepherd. The Lord, Jesus, the jealous shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I have learned to make him the shepherd. He calls the shots. And so I'm yielded to him. I bow my knee to him, not because he's jealous and he needs to be on the throne. No, he's already on the throne. He just needs to be on the throne in my heart and I yield that to him and I'm building an altar there. And so he walked with a sense of authority. Why? Because God knows where to lead him. You lead me to peaceful streams. You make me lie down in green pastures. That's, that's a great shepherd. It's like, come here. We're going, we're going, green, she- we're going green pastures. Now lie down. No, seriously. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Listen, but you see that language. He makes me lie down. It's like Ronnie. Like, you guys, we got to leave now. Otherwise, we're not going to make it. And if you eat, eat over there, you're going to get sick. And these people are going to steal your identity. So don't use your credit card. He's not messing around. And sometimes your, your shepherd comes to you and goes, you got to trust me. I know what's best for you. I want to lead you. This isn't about performance. It's not about religion. It's not about checking the boxes. It's not some guilt thing of like, you better behave. You better be better. No, he's just like, listen, I've created such an incredible pathway for you to walk in authority to walk in boldness and confidence without fear and guilt and shame like an army. The Bible says that the, that the righteous rise up like are bold as lions. Bold as a lion. And so David says, even though I walk through the shadow of death, I am not afraid. I will fear no evil. That's boldness. That's confidence. Why? Because you're with me. My shepherd's with me. Not just Jesus. Not Jesus with sandals and long flowing hair. And he's like, what's up, my buddy? No, he's my shepherd. He's gone before me. I know his name. He knows my name. He's called me out. He's gone before me. This is my shepherd. That's my shepherd. And then he anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. It doesn't matter what my bank account says. It doesn't matter what people say to me at work. It doesn't matter what school is like. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. That's an authority. That's a boldness talking from a, from a place of somebody knowing what it's like to have a shepherd lead them. Who's leading you? Who's leading your life? Who's making the choices in your life? Are we yielded to him? Are we saying, God, I'm yielded to you. I'm sorry, Lord. Sorry for kicking and screaming. Sorry for thinking that, wow, I just justify this stuff. And wow, it's not so bad. It's not a big deal. And I I just like, you love me. And God's like, I do love me. Love you. 
I love everything about you and I'm trying to lead you, so don't stay here. I'm leading you out. Will you bow your heads with me? Father God, I thank you for today and all that you're doing at Heart Church. I thank you for the way that you are inviting us to make you our shepherd. I pray for places in our lives where Lord, we've just put up with garbage, junk from the past, things that weigh us down, doubts and insecurities about our lives. And Lord, we hear you inviting us to build an altar. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us in places where, where we need to build an altar? Church, I just want you to think right now, what's a place I need to build an altar? God, I realize that I haven't, I haven't honored you in that place and I haven't, I've, I've, I've given place for the enemy, justified things. And God, I've given in to the, the old narrative about my life. I'm gonna build an altar. I'm gonna respond to the way that you're calling me up. God, I thank you that the result is that I walk with a sense of authority on my life. And we give you praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you.